for people who've given up on church but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Well, we're so glad you're with us. Uh, We've been talking this Christmas season about wonder, and just watching that video uh, reminds me again of the wonder of Christmas, right? Uh, And isn't that kind of what we all like about Christmas, is the promise of wonder, uh, of encountering something of beauty, something of significance, something greater than ourselves. Uh, Isn't that why we do all the presents and the lights and the trees and the songs? It's all in this this sense of longing for wonder. That's what the Christmas season is all about. Uh, Webster defines wonder this way. Uh, He says it's a a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, or inexplicable. Wonder. To be human is to wonder. I was uh, studying up on this and was reading some work by a guy named Robert Fuller, and I just thought this was so fascinating. Robert is a, he's not a Christian, he's a professor of philosophy and religious studies at Bradley University. He's dedicated his whole life, by the way, to this study of wonder. He writes this, he says that wonder is the most mysterious of human emotions. He says wonder has no evolutionary advantage, uh, no apparent biological value, no social or anthropological value, and yet every human being in every culture in every time period, has had this capacity for wonder. And he goes on, he says, which begs the question, where did this capacity of wonder come from? Dr. Fuller goes on to describe wonder in his own way. He says that wonder is this. Wonder is when we encounter something greater than ourselves, but instead of running away in fear or raising our fists to fight, he says, we are drawn to that wonder as if longing to touch it. He says, wonder has a kind of magnetism about it. I was thinking about that in my own life, some things that are are wondrous that have that magnetic power. And maybe this has it for you too. Uh, You know that feeling you have when you see a newborn baby that that you just want to touch, you just want to hold? That's that's kind of wonder, isn't it? Or or maybe this, maybe when you've seen a beautiful sunset or or scenery and that, that instinctive pulling out of our cell phone to try to capture that moment of wonder. Have you ever done that? I was thinking, actually, this one's really powerful. One of the most wondrous signs in our entire culture. Uh, you're driving down the road, and you see the hot, now, Krispy Kreme sign. <laughs> and almost inexplicably, you're drawn to that wonder, right? Something greater than yourself that you long to touch with your mouth. See, the truth is, we all long for more wonder in our lives, don't we? We all know what it means to be created to experience wonder. Interesting thing is this, though, that when our lives lack for any real sense of wonder, you know what we can do? When when our lives lack for any real sense of wonder, we can sometimes settle for mere sentimentality. And I think that's kind of the risk we have at Christmas. Christmas is all about wonder, but if we're not careful, we can miss it. In fact, one of the fascinating things uh, about wonder is how hard it can be for us to really experience it. Uh, The great news, the good news of Christmas is that wonder is available to you and to me. That's what Christmas is about. It's available to you, but it's going to require something of you. And here's what I want to suggest tonight. If you want to live a life of wonder, if you want to experience wonder at its 
fullness, the wonder that God wants to give you, if you want to experience that, it's going to take one thing from you. It's going to take courage. Because fear is the great enemy of wonder. In fact, the Christmas story is filled with fear. Almost all of the characters in the Christmas story experience fear. In fact, when the angels come, the one thing the angels say to every character in the story is the same. They say, do not be afraid. The angel appears to Zechariah says, listen, don't be afraid. The angel appears to Mary. He says, Mary, do not be afraid. Uh, the angel appears to the shepherds. What do they say to the shepherds? Do not be afraid. Now, why is this the first words out of the angels' mouths? Why is this what the angels have to say to all the characters? Well, uh, maybe part of the reason is that our view of angels is a little bit different. We, we don't think of angels as inspiring awe as they do in the Bible. We kind of have this hallmark version of angels, you know, like a little cute one with wings that you put up on your Christmas tree. I mean, that doesn't inspire any wonder, and you kind of expect that little angel to bring tea and crumpets or something, you know. Not, but the angels in the Bible, they, they experience, excuse me, they, they gave this impression of awe, of wonder. But I think there's a second reason to this too, and that is this. What we see in the scriptures is that when the call of God comes on a life, and it always does, when the call of God comes to a life, there is one of two responses. We can either say yes, or we can say no thank you. And the courage is what enables us to say yes. Fear will always lead us to say no to that invitation. The road to no is marked by fear. The road to yes is marked with courage. And my friend, the road that you choose, the road that you choose will determine whether you live a wonder-filled or wonderless life. So for the next few minutes, just this moment on this Christmas Eve, 2017, I want to take a look at a Christmas courage story. It's a story about a guy who travels with his pregnant wife to a manger in Bethlehem. Kids, do you have any guess on who we're going to talk about tonight? Do you know who it was who traveled all the way to Bethlehem with his pregnant wife? Any guesses, kids? Joseph. Oh, yeah, you guys are awesome. I'll pay you five bucks later. That was perfect. That's a good timing. Yes. So Joseph, I want to look at the story of Joseph. Here's where story, uh, Joseph's story begins. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Follow along with me, if you will. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, notice this. The, the story starts off with a very interesting plot twist. Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married, but Mary is already carrying baby Jesus in her womb. And my friends, this is not at all what Joseph had planned or expected. And you can imagine some of his fear, right? When he finds out, what's he going to say to his buddies about this? How's he going to explain this to his family? What's this going to mean for his business or for his future or his standing in the community? He wanted, I think, to believe Mary's words, but could God really be in this? Could, could God really have this kind of invitation for Joseph? It just didn't make sense. You see, something about Joseph that gives me reason to think this. Joseph was a builder. 
Joseph was what in his day was called a tecton. Uh, it's the same Greek word where we get our word technology from. Which So you can kind of think of Joseph this way. He was an ancient techie. He probably worked for Apple. I don't know. He's a tech guy. And what that meant is Joseph loved to know the plan. Joseph lived by the plan. He was a builder. He always had a plan before he cut the first log. He was a measure twice, cut once kind of guy. And this, the news that he had just found out about his wife pregnant, excuse me, his fiance pregnant, this was not what he had planned. This simply did not make sense. It was too scary. It was too risky. So Joseph decided to do the only logical thing. He decided to quietly end the engagement. Funny enough, God had another plan, didn't he? God sends an angel, and the story picks up here in verse 20. Let me read this to you. After Joseph had considered this, after Joseph had considered quietly divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, here's our command again, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, I want you to remember, parents, if, if you can remember when you had your first child, or if you're not a parent, you, you can imagine the pressures on parents of a newborn, right? I, I remember when we first brought Zoe home from the hospital, I, I was terrified. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I, who thought I was qualified for this job, right? Clearly no one. In fact, there, there was no instruction manual. I, I didn't, I would pick her up and she'd be crying and I was looking for the mute button. Like, where's the mute button on the baby? I, I did not know what I was doing. Well, you can imagine the pressures on, on new parents. How much more so when the baby they're bringing home is the son of God, right? You get a feel for this? I was thinking about this. There's a funny story uh, later on in the Bible when Jesus is 12 years old. And I just love this. Jesus, uh, his parents take him on a road trip to Jerusalem. And they're there for a couple days and then they're headed home. Only on the trip home, the parents realize that they lost Jesus back in Jerusalem. Like they lost him back somewhere. And, and they're on the road and they realize, oh, he's not with us. And you can imagine, they, they, in a panic, they look at each other and they're like, all right, what would Jesus do? <laughs> I worked on that one all week. That, that was pretty good, wasn't that? That was just, yeah, that was good. Well, can you imagine Joseph's prayer that night? I mean, he's just lost Jesus. And he, he has to, um, dear God, uh, you know that son of yours you gave us. Um, do you happen to have another one? <laughs> I mean, this was a big assignment. No wonder Joseph was so afraid. This was a huge call on his life. You see, God had come to Joseph with an invitation. And Joseph had to make the decision, do I say yes or do I say no? And God will do this in our lives. He will come. So look at how the angel responds. I just find this so fascinating. It's so striking. The angel comes to Joseph and he says this. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. You see, the angel reminds him, and God will do this for you as well, of his true identity. He says, you, you are Joseph. You remember Joseph. He's the great hero of the Old Testament. His brothers sold him into slavery. 
His employer later threw him into prison, but Joseph was not afraid. He continued to say yes to God's call in his life, and Joseph experienced a life of wonder and purpose. But it doesn't stop there. The angel says, you're not just Joseph. You're Joseph, son of David. David was this little shepherd boy who fought lions and bears to care for his sheep. He took on that giant Goliath, and he defied King Saul, who wanted to kill him. He led his country. David became the greatest king Israel ever saw. So the angel says, you are Joseph. You are son of David. You have an identity. And God, my friend, would say that to you this evening as well. You have an identity. You don't have to live caged by fear. The angel says to Joseph, marry this woman, raise this Messiah. You will receive your destiny. You will go on a great adventure. You will serve God. You will live a life of wonder. And so what does Joseph do? Even though he's afraid, even though he doesn't know the plan, even though he's not in control, Joseph says yes. He says yes to God's invitation. Because the truth is, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage, my friend, is saying yes to God's invitation, even in the midst of fear. Now, do you suppose that this was the end of fear in Joseph's life? Do you suppose he never was afraid again? I highly doubt it. I think there were many moments in Joseph's life that required great courage. Like the night when Joseph finally realized it was time to pack up the donkey, load Mary on its back, and make the 80-mile trek to Bethlehem. And I wonder if on that trek, Joseph didn't continue to work through his fear with God. In fact, I imagine that Joseph prayed what I like to call the Bethlehem prayer. Do you know the Bethlehem prayer? It goes like this. God, are you sure? God, did you really? God, this doesn't make any sense. to God, if I was in control, I would do it differently. Have you ever prayed the Bethlehem prayer? I don't know if Joseph prayed that prayer or not. That's just my imagination. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But my guess is that at one point or another in your life, you've prayed the Bethlehem prayer. I know I have. You've stood where Joseph stood, caught somewhere between what God says and what makes sense. You've done what he told you to do, only to wonder if it was really God speaking in the first place. Like Joseph on that road to Bethlehem, you've looked up in the night sky and wondered if you're still on the right road. Things haven't turned out like you thought they would. Was God really in this? See, each of us, I believe, knows what it's like to search the night sky for light, for a star, for hope. Maybe not outside a stable, but perhaps outside of an emergency room or outside of a dorm room or maybe on a gravel roadside, or on the manicured grass of a cemetery. In one way or another, we've all asked that same question, haven't we? Max Lucado describes it this way. He says, the Bethlehem sky is not the first to hear the pleading of a confused pilgrim. But my friend, the good news of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, is that if you are asking the same thing that Joseph asked, that God will help you to do the same thing Joseph did. He will help you to have courage, to trust him, because God is at work even when we cannot see the whole picture. You see, Joseph didn't know everything, but he knew enough. He shut down his business, 
He packed up the saddlebags and he made the journey to Bethlehem. Why? Because God asked him and he said yes. So how about you? Like Joseph, this Christmas, Jesus comes again into our world. And just like Joseph, we have a choice to make. We can either say yes to God's invitation or we can say no thank you and miss out on the life of wonder that he has for us. See, Joseph says yes. And because he says yes, God uses Joseph in the story that changes the world. God filled Joseph's life with a kind of wonder that you and I can only imagine. But what if he could do the same for you this Christmas? Now, I was thinking about this. You know, Joseph's greatest moment of wonder was actually still out in front of him. Did you think about this? In fact, it was on a night that, well, not unlike this one, when Joseph and Mary, they would, they would huddle around a small crib, but just, just, just a trough, just some wood holding the baby Jesus. And it was in that moment that I think Joseph had his OMG moment, literally. What, what would that have been like? I mean, have you, ever, have you ever stopped to really imagine that? What must that have been like for Joseph to stand there holding that baby and realize that what he was holding was God incarnate, Emmanuel, God come to earth? Can you imagine the wonder? And I saw this little detail this last, this last week studying this story. I'd never seen this before. Did you know that Joseph is the only character in the whole Christmas story that never speaks? He doesn't actually say a single word. And yet this humble builder from a nowhere town called Nazareth is the one that God gives the task to give him the name Jesus. Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. Incredible. Now, I don't know if Joseph and Mary knew the rest of the story. I highly doubt it. I don't think they knew uh, the coming of the cross and the pain that Jesus would endure. I don't think they knew about the tomb he would be laid in, the stone that would be rolled away, the resurrected body of Jesus. I don't think they knew, but they knew this. They knew that God had been faithful when they had said yes to his invitation and wonder was unfolding daily in their lives. And they were living to the brim, the fullness of the purpose that God had called them to. And my friend, what if that same kind of wonder is available to you and me this Christmas. The invitation comes. How will you respond? Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Joseph said yes. I'm so thankful that Mary said yes. And the story of their lives, the stories of wonder, of a wonder-filled life that you gave them, and the hope and courage that that gives us to trust you when you come to us with your invitation. Father, I pray that this Christmas for everyone in this room would be filled with wonder. Yes, the wonder of presents and lights and family and food. But most importantly, God, I pray that we again would experience the wonder of Emmanuel. Jesus, you who has come to forgive us our sins and give us life, a life of wonder. Jesus, would you help us to say yes to that invitation this Christmas? We pray in your holy name.
Amen.